0: Welcome to Naturally Well, a podcast to help you live a healthier and happier life with a Nordic twist. I'm your host, Kate Turner, registered dietitian, personal trainer, Nordic Naturals nutrition specialist, and owner of Live Well with Kate. I'm so excited to be talking with James Nestor today. He's an author and journalist who has written for Scientific American, Outside, The New York Times, and his latest book, Breath, The New Science of a Lost Art, was an instant New York Times bestseller. In the book and our conversation, we explore how humans have lost the ability to breathe correctly. But don't fear, he knows how to get it back to breathing better. James walks us through the research and his reluctant personal experience with breathing better. You might not be aware, but there's a significant difference between breathing through your mouth versus breathing through your nose. Hint: the studies show breathing through your nose is better for your health, and it also helps your sleep, snoring, and many other surprising aspects of your life. Welcome, James, to the show. I'm so happy to have you here. Um, I am a big proponent of nose breathing, so and I'm I'm really excited for you to share with everyone just the science behind it and why it's so important. But I'd love to just start with a little bit more about you and how you got to be where you are in your career today and writing the book Breath.
1: Oh, well, I had a very strange path to, to getting here to this place. Um, I had not set out to be a writer, especially a writer of books. I had a at one time in my life a respectful job wearing respectful clothes at a respectful company writing disrespectful advertisements to people and catalog copy and all of that i did that for years and years and years and i thought that that's just what i was going to be doing it was fine it was easy paid good you know but uh on the weekends i would write magazine stories just because it was something that fascinated me to be able to go into Someone's world, or go into a specific subject, and then to come back out and and understand it in a new, fresh way. And so, eventually, after years of doing that, moonlighting as a magazine journalist and uh, having a whole, a full time job, I finally cut the cord. Uh, much later in life, than I would suggest anyone actually do. Super precarious, but uh, you know, I kept chipping away, and and here we are.
0: Awesome. And so even with, I know you had your other book deep as well. Um, but how did breath and for anyone listening that doesn't know much about your book, um, how, you know, how did it come to light and you actually working on it? And then, you know, we'll dive into the research and stuff, but how did that come about?
1: It was not something I set out to do. I had no intention of ever writing a book about breathing. And uh, (laughs) I was derided by my friends for For a long time when i had that idea i said there might be a book in this and they said that sounds like such a flop dude (laughs) go into something else so it was a bunch of happenstances that all sort of built on top of one another stuff that was happening to me personally i was having breathing difficulties i thought i was doing everything Mm -hmm. well you know, taking my codfish liver oil, of course, um, exercising. I was sleeping well. I was extremely anal about what I would eat. And yet I was getting sick all the time, Uh, mostly respiratory problems. Uh, I was getting pneumonia constantly, bronchitis. And I was told by my doctor that this was all normal. She'd give me some antibiotics and I'd be on my way. And she's like, Get, get used to it. You're getting old. And this is what happens. And I said, that doesn't quite sound right to me. So uh, I started exploring breathing and um, by some recommendations of some friends. I'm in San Francisco, so you can't throw a, a bottle and not hit you know four different yeah. yoga studios or, or breathing, breathing studios here. So I picked one at to complete random and it completely blew my mind uh what it did to me psychologically what it did to me physically what it did to me on so many other levels and the interesting thing was that nobody could really describe it so Uh, Just to give you a quick little recap, I was in this class and I started breathing this very calm pattern and just started sweating profusely, like dripping wet, Uh, more sweat than I've ever sweat in my life. And I was just sitting still breathing in this pattern in a very cold room. And nobody could explain that. So I just kind of filed it away in the back of my head. I'm not someone to, to write memoirs. I'm a science journalist. So it wasn't until I met freedivers that everything really changed. I realized that the potential of breathing, what it could do for us, had been largely forgotten in our culture. And I wanted to go explore that a bit more.
0: And did you find, James, that before when you were having issues, you were mouth breathing at night?
1: Constantly. I was Got mouth it. breathing when I was working out. I was mouth breathing when I was surfing. I was mouth breathing at night. I was probably mouth breathing while I, was, while I was working in front of a computer. I had no knowledge that there was a difference between nasal breathing and mouth breathing. Nobody had told me. And from what I've heard from most people, nobody had told them. And yet the science mm-hmm. is very clear. These are two very different things. How we take in breath through our mouth or through our noses.
0: And I'm sure part of it too, is just awareness. Like you may ask someone, are you a nose breather or a mouth breather? And they may say, I don't, I don't know, or I'm not sure, you know, at night, I think I do this. Or so I think just even taking the moment and for anyone listening right now, and just think to yourself before we really dive into this, do you typically breathe through your nose or your mouth? And I feel like particularly too, when you're sleeping, cause that's such a long period of time where we are. I mean, we're breathing throughout the day, but, um, where we can really tell if we are breathing through our nose or mouth. So let's start with how your research was conducted. Um, and you know, I've heard your personal experience with it during the research, but I'm sure everyone would love to hear it and what you discovered.
1: So the one thing I found about breathing and a lot of books about breathing, which were more focused on the how to breathe or personal experiences mm-hmm. breathing, is they seem to be pretty thin on the science. And that that always bothered me when, when I would read something, a nonfiction book, and it would just be talking about one person's personal experience. What I try to do is to look at things and explain things that apply to everybody. And in order to do that, you need something that can be measured. And if you can measure something, you can study it and then it can be applied across populations. And so that's how I approach this. So much of it sounded so sketchy and i had many conversations slash arguments with my editor at penguin who said she was at nasa before she became a book editor so a complete hard ass across the board which was wonderful to to get Her perception of of these things. But she didn't believe any of this. She said, there's no difference between nasal breathing and mouth breathing. You cannot breathe in ways to heat your body up. You cannot breathe in ways to heal yourself. She's like, this is all unfounded science. And that really got me stimulated. And it also helps that my father-in-law is a pulmonologist. My brother-in-law is an ER doctor. So we had many very long conversations, and they were able to really separate the the chaff from the wheat on a lot of this, this science. But this stuff is scientifically validated. You can believe it works or not. That's okay. You can't argue with numbers, and you can't argue nope. with studies. And there's 500 of them uh, at the back of the book. If you don't believe me, look at the studies and look at where they're conducted at some of the leading institutions in the world.
0: Yeah. And I know for, so you did your own study as well, correct? Um, and had your own personal experience with, you know, nasal breathing and then mouth breathing and comparing the two. So how did, how did that go?
1: yeah uh, i did not intend to have myself in this book at all at the beginning and you can see that from my book proposal so in nonfiction, you submit a book proposal and you get a contract from that and the book proposal is about 50 60 pages i was not a part of this story um but as i got deeper into the research as i started getting to know these experts as they kept calling me back and as Mm -hmm. conversations grew and grew I realized that some of the science hadn't been conducted either because people weren't interested in it or they didn't have funding in it or for whatever reason. So that's how the Stanford experiment came about is I'm in San Francisco, so I'm very close to Stanford. And I go down there all the time to their medical library and talk with all the experts there, and it's awesome. And I met the chief of rhinology research, uh, Dr. Jayakar Nayak. And we went and had lunch several times for hours at a time he's the one who told me about you know there's such a difference between nasal breathing and mouth breathing the science is so clear no one's paying attention to this and so i asked him i said well you know if mouth breathing is so injurious to the body if it causes us to become more quickly fatigued if it causes periodontal disease if it causes us to lose focus adhd on and on then why hasn't someone done a study where you take a bunch of people and have them mouth breathe for a certain amount of time then have a bunch of people and have them nasal breathe for a certain amount of time and compare data sets. And he's like, oh, that, that'd be a great idea. I said, well, you're at Stanford, why don't you do it? And uh, he had no money. So what, what people don't realize is the vast majority of studies that are conducted in many medical fields are funded studies, they're funded by by companies. And so I had to pay for this. I volunteered. I said, well, why don't, why don't I do an experiment? And he said, well, that sounds great. I have no money. So I said, oh, great. I need need to pay for this thing at freaking Stanford, which was not not cheap. And I thought, it, you know, just having one person in an experiment, it means a little bit, but it means a lot to have at least two. And, of course, it would have been wonderful if we had... 100 people, but mm-hmm. we we didn't you know, have $3 million at our disposal. So I managed to convince someone else, a breathing therapist from Sweden, to come out. And we spent 10 days obstructed, our noses obstructed, just breathing through our mouths. And then we spent 10 days breathing through our noses almost the entire time. And we collected data three times a day, every day for 21 days to see what would happen. And uh, we learned a lot in that process.
0: I'm curious. I mean, I'm sure James, there's a long list, but what were probably your standouts in terms of comparison from when you were nose breathing versus mouth breathing?
1: The biggest one by far was sleep quality. And that's the one we felt the most as well. You know, there were blood pressure changes, there was fatigue, there was anxiety, there were all these other markers, uh, CO2. Um, but, The sleep was so sudden and so profound that at the beginning, we were laughing about it. After a few days later, we were getting scared about it, what we were doing to our bodies. So specifically, I went from not snoring at all. I was a mouth breather at night for sure. Every single night, I'd go to bed with a huge glass of water. It didn't matter where I was. thought that was normal. But I never snored. I never had sleep apnea. So within a single night of mouth breathing, being obstructed in the nose, uh, I went from not snoring at all to snoring about an an hour and a half in in one night. Um, And Andrews Olson, the other subject in the study, was snoring even more than me, zero to two hours. We're like, well, this is weird. Within a few days, I was snoring for four hours throughout the night. He was snoring through most of the night. We both had sleep apnea. Our sleep scores plummeted. Uh, We woke up so tired and exhausted. And, you know, just the pathway through which we breathe air dictates a lot of our chances of of suffering from snoring and sleep apnea. Not everything, right? Uh, Some people who are nasal breathers can still snore and have sleep apnea. But if you think about how the mouth is set up, just opening your mouth right now, if you open your mouth, you'll feel the tongue sort of go go back, right? It's gonna mm-hmm. go back into into the throat. It's gonna make it harder to breathe. Closing the mouth and putting that tongue on the roof of the mouth, on the upper mm-hmm. palate, you breathe and it's so much easier. So add gravity to that and you, you've got a really bad combination. And the fact that I had never heard of this before was was nuts. So to, to give a little bit of this away on the other half of the study when we were nasal breathing, our snoring 100% disappeared. So from four hours a night to zero, zero sleep apnea, both of us at the same time. And that's the one thing I've heard from literally thousands of people is, and they're pretty pissed off now. They're, they're like, why didn't somebody tell me this? And uh, I'm
0: sure their spouses they, are too, James. Yeah, they been
1: they're, snoring. They have separate <laughs> rooms. You know, it's caused a lot of problems. I've heard from a few spouses that are, you know, teary-eyed and thankful. And I want to be super clear. This is not going to work for everybody. Okay. Yep. Some people are morbidly obese. It's not going to work for you. But it's free. And breathing through your nose only has benefits. So there's there's nothing to lose. And my experience is it absolutely transformed my sleep and, and my, my waking hours as well. And I've heard that from so many other people.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was even sharing with you before we hopped on that I was around my, my young niece and nephew and got like a little cold from them and just could not breathe out of my nose. And I had a terrible, terrible, week of sleep. And I did, I usually don't have to have water next to my bedside, had to have water next to my bedside, had inner, you know, I was waking up throughout the night and I knew exactly what it was. I was like, because I'm habitually a nose breather. And I was actually, you know, part of me is like, Oh, I'm, I'm glad this happened the week before we're talking because it just reminds you how much of a profound effect it can have. And then in terms of the Research and the benefits of nasal breathing. Um, what can you touch on there?
1: Hmm. Yeah, you know, um, f- as as far as the, the nose is concerned, and as far as sleeping is concerned, one other little factoid, uh, which I thought was interesting too, is there are studies showing that when allergy season boots up, snoring and sleep apnea increase, and 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 so there there is a, a direct connection between these two things, and yet still. I mean, how are we treating ourselves for for sleep? We're we're using different sounds in our bedrooms. We're using different lights, different pillows, different sheets, different blankets. Uh, but we're not looking at our main source of the energy throughout the night, and that's our breathing. And unless you fix that no amount of heavy blankets or lights or scents or sounds are gonna do anything. So that's really the first thing. So the reason why breathing through the nose is so important is because, I mean, there's so many reasons. It serves about 30 different functions in our bodies. And it is our first line of defense. So our nose is this huge, amazing filter that's covered with tissues and little hairs that gloms on to pathogens, dust, allergens, and more. And as we breathe in through the nose, it conditions that air. We actually get 20% more oxygen through equivalent breaths through the nose than we do through the mouth. And if you think that's not gonna make a difference, throughout your day and night you're you're crazy so i mean that that's just a few of the reasons there's also reasons um, it's tied to the endocrine system it's tied to hormones it's tied to nervous system function it's tied to brain functions tied to circulation heart rate and more if you look at any other animal in the in the wild you're going to see them nasal breathing even at extreme states of stress Look at a cheetah sprinting at 50 miles per hour. It's going to be breathing very slowly through its nose. So that's how we're designed to breathe. And yet so few of us do it today.
0: I'm curious too, James, you were talking about being able to heat your body just through nasal breathing. How do you do that? And how does that work?
1: Well, very subtly you can influence your body's functions by breathing in through your right nostril. There's been various studies in this. So breathing in through your right nostril, your heart rate's gonna gently speed up, your blood pressure's gonna increase. And you're going to be stimulating more of the left side of your brain. This side of the brain is associated with with logic, right? logical functions. The right side is associated with creative functions, even though there's so much cross-pollination between those two lobes. So just breathing in through that nostril uh, is associated with heat. Breathing in and out of your left nostril is associated with cooling. Uh, heart rate goes down, blood pressure goes down as well, and again, this has been uh, very, very thoroughly studied. And the yogis have been onto this stuff for well over a thousand years. Alternate nostril breathing—guess what that is? It's gaming these systems to balance the body in certain ways.
0: Yeah, that's it's so interesting, and I'm curious too. You know, for anyone listening, and I also so my husband has a deviated septum, was a lacrosse player and had his nose broken a few times. Um, And I've always tried to push him into, you know, just try more nasal breathing. But at times, like I would say pretty much throughout the night, he's a mouth breather, occasionally snores. But what about for people with deviated septums Mm. or that already have like some type of obstruction?
1: So, this is something i learned from Jayakar Jay and down at stanford he took a scan of my head and was looking at my nasal cavities and just like you are a disaster so i've broken my nose like two or three times um you know playing basketball or surfing or whatever yeah. um and not only that but humans as a species are developing such limited area in our nasal passages now which and our mouths have grown smaller as well, which is why we have crooked teeth. People say, hmm, why do we have crooked teeth? We have crooked teeth because our mouths, is, mouths are so small, which makes it uh, for a smaller airway, which makes it harder to breathe. So with a small mouth, you also have smaller nasal passages because that roof of the mouth pushes in to the bottom of the nose and inhibits airflow, and you can see this by looking at ancient skulls and comparing them to modern skulls. Our ancestors were completely different—perfectly straight teeth. They were able to breathe differently than we are. So, as Niac was going through my scan and and addressing all of these uh, serious problems in my in my face, I said, "Well, look, I have a deviated septum. Uh, you know, I need to get that fixed." Seventy five percent of the population today has a septum that is clearly deviated to the naked eye. So whenever people use that as an excuse not to breathe through their nose, uh, they have to consider that three quarters of the population has a deviated septum. Some people have a septum that is so deviated they need surgery for sure. And surgery is life-changing. But the vast majority of us are screwed up. Our, Our noses are now screwed up. This was not the case with our ancestors. So it starts off by trying to condition yourself become a nasal breather um, that includes during exercise that includes all the time and those different structures in the nose will start to open they will start to dilate and make it easier for you to breathe through the nose so you use it more and you'll be able to use it more in the in the future if you don't use it you're going to lose it um, and that's that's true for the nose as it is for for other things so it starts with that but but I, I just want to be clear that People do need surgery. Some people do need surgery and it's an absolute life changer. But what Nyack and so many ENTs are saying is start off slow, use a yep. neti plot, breathe through your nose, try this for a couple of months, and then you can bump it up to surgery.
0: Well, like you said before too, James, it's the free option. If someone's listening right now and they're like, I'm definitely a mouth breather when I sleep, I would like to now breathe through my nose after hearing this is just practice throughout the day. Mm-hmm
1: yeah so so it's a few things um this stuff is not what i'm telling you is not sexy at all um and it's not marketable and so this is one of the reasons why so few people hear about it you know it makes a lot of money is nasal surgeries but from what i've heard from so many ent's i'm talking about people at harvard people at stanford there's a lot of people who get these surgeries do not need them, okay? They, they are told they have a deviated septum. They say, oh my God, I have a deviated septum. I need to get this fixed immediately. Two weeks later, they're getting their noses drilled out. So they don't need it. Um, yeah. So what I suggest, and what I learned at Stanford from Dr. Ann Kearney, um, this sounded very sketchy to me when I first heard about it, was at night, it's hard to keep your mouth shut, right? Your muscles relax, your head's on a pillow, your mouth tends to open up what 60 to 70% of the population is breathing through its mouth. I think I mentioned that earlier, but she taught me to use a little piece of tape like this. So it's about the size of a postage stamp. And uh, she said, make sure it's like a micropore soft adhesive tape and just to put it on your lips. So, this can come off at any time. You saw how much effort that took me to take that off, zero. I could even breathe through the sides of my mouth if I really wanted to. But it's it's just a guide to keep your mouth shut. It's a reminder to your body to breathe through the nose. What I would suggest to people, because this is what she suggested to me, is use this tape in the day first. When you're answering emails, whatever put it on for 10 minutes get comfortable with it next day maybe 20 minutes build up until you're comfortable wearing it for maybe an hour or two and then try it at night you're gonna hate it at the beginning you're gonna rip it off it's gonna take a couple of weeks but once you make that switch i can virtually promise you your sleep is going to improve perhaps drastically Your uh, airway health will be improving because you'll be toning your airway because you'll be breathing out of your nose and it could reduce the symptoms um, associated with snoring and sleep apnea It could reduce the incidences of those. Uh, I've seen that myself and uh, so many other people have as well.
0: Yeah, I have a lot of um, more on the functional side of nutrition, dietitians who recommend mouth taping regularly. I, I would say actually probably to most really? of their clients yep uh, but and I I've will say James, never mostly, heard this oh uh, like I know a few functional um medicine dietitians that it's like routine for them if their clients are having issues sleeping and they've realized that they are mouth breathers it's like mouth tape is going on first um but they say the same things right like you may not love it in the beginning but I do love those strategies she said about wear it during the day, like just start to get used to it and comfortable. And I have honestly, I've tried this with my husband. I've asked him if, you know, I'm like, there's so much, like we got to try the mouth taping. And he's like, this does not sound real to me. This sounds like you just want me to be quiet. (laughs) Um, But I'm hoping after this episode, maybe I'll have a, maybe I'll have a leg up, but it's really interesting how much it really does work
1: so i've i've heard this story especially from spouses for the past the book's been out like what 11 (laughs) months or so and i you know it's inspired me to start james Nestor's uh uh spousal support network for mouth breathing i'm sure there's an acronym in there that's gonna sound really snazzy so i am not in the business to have me talk to spouses and convince anyone to do anything and i've literally gotten this email from people before I removed my email from, <laughs> address from everything. And now my friends write me They're like, do you have two seconds to talk to my wife real, real quick, dude, please seriously help me. And, uh, that's not my thing. So that is going to have to be negotiated between oh, yeah. the, the two partners. Um, but as far as the science is concerned, you know, this is what's, what's interesting. Um, I've included 400, 500 scientific references on my website for free. My publisher allowed me to do that because I said, no one's going to believe any of this stuff unless I have videos, unless I have data sheets and studies. So you can look on that, but you can also just look at the anatomy of the human skull. And you can just send your your husband a picture of that, right? So Uh through the nose, look what you're doing to air. You're forcing it through all of these different structures so it's pressurized and slowed down before it enters the lungs through the mouth there's nothing there so if you're breathing heavily it's very easy to snore right try breathing softly through the nose at a very soft cycle you can't snore. You can't move those soft tissues down the back of your throat. So this absolutely works, and it doesn't have to do with any new age placebo effect or psychology. This is basic physiology. It's it's basic anatomy, and it's basic plumbing, really. Too. It's it's the the flow of air, the pressure of air, will open up airways more. Um, so. I don't know if that's of any use to you, probably not, but, uh, you can buy him some sleep tape, you know,
0: no, it, it it's, definitely is. And, and you know what, that's where James, when you get those emails or those texts, you just, just forward them a podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> you can listen to me here. <laughs> um, but I'm curious even with that sense, cause I know some people use, and honestly, I've never used them myself. Um, but the nasal strips, do those work Do, do you, have you ever used them?
1: All of these things work great. These are oh, wonderful, okay. wonderful training wheels. Um, so what you're referring to is are the Breathe Right strips. And what these do is you put them on the bridge of the nose and they open up your nostrils. And, and you can get about 20, 30% more air that way. They also have these inserts called Mute. They're called mute inserts because guess what they do? They mute you and you put them into your nose and Mm -hmm. they're not as uncomfortable as they sound and they dilate the nostrils to allow for more room. You have to wonder though how ironic it is that now we're developing all of these technologies to mimic the way we used to look and used to function before. Technologies came around before industrial technologies came around. Yeah, so it's bizarre. I, I will say that both of those um, technologies work great. I've found that for a couple of weeks, people use them if they want to become conditioned to nasal breathing during jogging, which will make a huge difference in your performance and recovery. These are wonderful training wheels. Now everyone's in a mask too, so no one's gonna laugh at you, right? No, no one can see you're wearing these things. But, um, you know, they're there if people want to wear them longer, that's great. But I've noticed it just kind of helps you get over that hump until you have your nose conditioned to be able to breathe more easily.
0: Well, and like we were talking about earlier too, like people with deviated septums, or you see a lot of athletes wearing them too, while they're Mm -hmm. playing. I I usually think of football players the most, um, but that's really good to know that they actually work because I've never tried them or honestly had clients try them. Or family members, so I'm glad to hear that's actually another great way. Are there any other tips besides like the mouth taping, maybe using uh, the nasal strips um, (laughs) that people can take away to better breathe through their nose if they are a mouth breather?
1: Try a neti pot. Uh, You can buy a Mm -hmm. neti pot for, you know, seven bucks or whatever. Be sure to use purified or distilled water in that. Don't just use tap water that can work incredibly well for people who have allergies for people have stuffed noses also i'm going to teach you a little trick right now on how to unclog your nose i learned this from patrick McEwen, who is one of the the most world-renowned breathing therapists in in the world and it it blew my mind Um, so what all you have to do is whenever you feel congestion in your nose yeah you're going to take a normal breath and then you're going to exhale softly And at the end of that exhale, you're going to hold your breath, but you're going to pinch your nose shut, okay? Then you're going to move your head up and down like this until you feel a palpable need to breathe. And then you're going to open your nose, but take in a very slow sip of air, very slow, about 50%, very slow and easy. Breathe normally for about 45 seconds and repeat that about five times. And I think you'll be amazed by how quickly that opens your your nose up and allows you to breathe more easily.
0: I mean, James, I feel it after the first one. And I was, I, I was sick this past week. So I'm actually a very good person to do this on, but I yeah. I got, I mean, and I only did it once, but that's so interesting.
1: Yeah. So what's, what's even more interesting is no one knows exactly what it's doing. A lot of people think (laughs) that you're creating more CO2 buildup in your nose, which dilates blood vessels and which open things up. But, um, you could also be releasing more nitric oxide, which is this amazing molecule that we release so much of in, in our noses and nitric oxide is a vasodilator, right? Uh, it Mm -hmm. kills viruses it kills pathogens. Um, it's a wonderful, wonderful Thing to have more of in your body, so you can try out that that little trick. Um, I don't get stuffy noses really often at all, but whenever I've I've felt one kind of coming on, like after an airplane or in too much air conditioning or whatever, um, I'll do that, and it and it's really helping.
0: Oh, I'm probably gonna. I mean, I'm gonna come back to this podcast a lot to just remember to do that. Um, But I'm glad you brought up nitric oxide because even just think about anyone on here too that's active right and i feel like a lot of our listeners are active you want to get better performance you want to like we were talking about being able to run better um just get more blood flow to your body which everyone needs whether you're being active or not nitric oxide is the key um and that's i think something that's you know what i really took away from The book and hearing you speak is that's a, for me, that's a big piece of it. Just being able to get more nitric oxide by breathing in through your nose, it controls so many things in our body and just also making you feel better as well and having like that stamina too.
1: Yeah. Guess what they're giving to COVID patients now? Nitric oxide. (laughs) Guess what uh, Viagra and other ED Mm -hmm. drugs do? Yep they release nitric oxide that's all they're doing guess why beets and beet juice are so effective for athletes it releases more nitric oxide so um louis ignaro won the nobel prize for his work in nitric oxide and if you have a chance have him on your show and he'll yeah. talk your ear off about nitric oxide it's a fascinating Underutilized and under acknowledged and appreciated molecule that plays an essential role in so many different functions in our body.
0: I completely agree. And it's funny, I'm glad you brought up the beats too. Because if you don't like beats and you're listening to this show, well, guess what? You can just breathe through your nose to get more nitric oxide. Because that's sometimes I get that pushback from clients or someone that I'm like, you know, let's get in a little bit before a workout or just to get more optimal blood flow too. Um, but again, we got our free version of just breathing through our nose.
1: <laughs> it's um and I'm going to tell you another another little tip. You're not asking for it, but I'm going to tell you it anyway. Um the way to increase your nitric oxide 15-fold, so 15 times, is to hum just humming increases nitric oxide 15 times more in your nasal cavities, the paranasal sinuses. And That's this so was discovered 20 years ago by researchers at the Karolinska Institute in Sweden, which is one of the top research institutions in the world, I would consider them. And I, I talked with the main researcher there, Lundberg, about this. And humming, so, um, does humming make you happy or are you happy because you're humming who cares it releases more nitric oxide and there's been one study it was just an n1 study where someone who had chronic rhinitis started humming for a prescribed amount of time in the day and and was actually able to over overcome his his chronically stuffed nose in a measurable way and again this is something that's free. So hum for 10, 15 minutes a day, hum before a workout. I don't know if it's psychosomatic, but uh, I've been doing that and I've felt something different. Uh, Again, uh, it's interesting to know that we know this is working. We know it's releasing more nitric oxide, whether or not my feeling better is caused by that nitric oxide or just calming my, my vagus nerve because I'm humming and I'm stimulating more of a calming response either which way you're going to win and it's free and you'll annoy your spouse but they're snoring anyway so take that.
0: That's so interesting James and you know what, it it the one thing it brings up for me is we have a really good family friend and just her whole life she's always hummed while she eats. Mm. It's just like oh, a that's... natural thing she does but she's like one of the calmest, like happiest people <laughs> probably ever met so i'm i'm just curious if i'm like trying to make that connection and because it's funny we've always noticed it we're like she hums while she eats but maybe there's something to it um
1: i think maybe that's okay (laughs) if you're eating alone maybe that's not a a she doesn't
0: do it when she's only alone (laughs)
1: Uh, maybe that's that's better saved for some solo time people Because that might yeah. kind of—I I don't know your friend. Maybe she's humming something beautiful, but that sounds a little kind of gross to me. But or when um, you, you take know, yourself works. out
0: to dinner, when it's just you at dinner, you can keep yourself company with your humming. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, you know, these are tough times, and uh, people are lonely. Very true. So, so keep yourself company with, with your good friend humming.
0: Exactly. He's, we'll try it. He's, he's
1: with you when you're eating, <laughs> you know, when you're sleeping, when you're working out, always there right by your side. Oh
0: my gosh. I love it. Um, well, I'm curious, James, out of even, you know, before we kind of wrap things up, are there any benefits to nasal breathing that you feel like we didn't touch on that you really want to, you know, just hone in for people?
1: Oh, there's so many. I'll just give you yeah. a couple. But, your favorites. By, by breathing through your nose, you also force yourself to breathe more slowly. And by breathing more slowly, you not only get better oxygenation, but you're able to engage your diaphragm more. And that diaphragm is this muscle, looks like a parachute or an umbrella underneath your lungs. The lungs themselves are just like two bags, right? They don't inflate and deflate on by on their own they need this diaphragm to push them up and to come back down so when you move the diaphragm like that you actually stimulate more blood circulation and more lymph fluid circulation both of which are so important so I was just talking to a doctor who has been doing this very deep dive into the diaphragm. And she's seen patients who have this almost calcification, these deposits throughout their body. And she notices all of them are breathing just into their chest. So the body likes things to be in constant movement. And when things aren't in constant movement, things go wrong. So that nasal breathing, you naturally take a deeper breath when you're breathing through through your nose and you take this slower breath too. So especially in these stressful times, it's very calming and it's so much more efficient. You'll be able to take fewer breaths, but to get more energy. And that's really what it's all about.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's what we all want, right? It's more energy. And I'm curious, are you, James, just so thankful that this topic and, you know, all the research you did, obviously you put so much work into it, but I'm sure just for yourself, because you were a mouth breather at one point, has it just completely changed your life?
1: Yeah, it, it absolutely has. I try to keep my story as, as much out of my books um, as possible, uh, even though I, I wanted to include some important parts that I thought could be applied to other people's lives. But I just get super annoyed when I read books and the author keeps putting themselves in over and over and over. So um, it's been absolutely transformative to me on on every level, you know, mentally, physically, performance-wise and so much more i don't think i would be able to do what what i've been doing without having this knowledge of of breathing and and utilizing it i'm on call for 10 months i've been on four or five interviews a day every day uh some starting at 3 a.m and uh you know it's extremely e- exhausting and if i didn't have breathing practices to do be- between these calls and if i wasn't able to, to start off my day with some kundalini breathing just to really charge things up and get going uh, I think I I don't know if I I would be able to to work at the capacity I've I've been working um which isn't to say I don't get tired or I don't get burned out of course I do but but this is about trying to maintain and, and preventative maintenance as much as possible is is always the best medicine
0: and feeling better right I think that's like that's what I was trying to tell people it's like even if it's one thing that you can do just to feel a little bit better each day or have that little bit of extra energy. It, it has a profound effect, especially because it builds on, it builds on itself, right? You know, you're feeling better and better each day, or you're having more and more energy at each day. Then when you look back, you know, a year prior or two years prior, you really can see the change.
1: We get most of our energy from breath. Not from food. That's something a lot of people don't realize. If you don't believe me, um, try not breathing for two minutes and see how that works out for you. (laughs) So, you know, how we take in that breath and how efficiently we use that breath, of course, that's gonna make a difference throughout our day. And the most transformative effects uh, from what I've seen really happen to people who have been so disconnected from their breathing These are people with mental health issues some people with physical issues some people with respiratory issues and it's it gets pretty emotional talking to these people and interviewing them how they've been denied this knowledge for so long and all they really needed the whole time was to take control of their breathing and instead they've been fed six different drugs for for decades so you know i won't get on that that soapbox too much but um this information is, is coming from leaders in the field. And I just want to double down on that. This These are not my opinions. You can look at the work of Dr. Richard Brown at Columbia, who's used breathing techniques for patients with anxiety and anorexia and depression, and it's worked in, incredibly well. And then look at the people who have used it for asthma or people who've used it for COPD, and it's, it's the same story across the board. So it's been... A, very thrilling to me to get these people the the real heroes here are these researchers and scientists who have been tirelessly working away on this stuff for decades and finally now they're getting some some attention and there's new organizations new research studies all this new stuff is start starting to to boot up looking into the, the power of breathing
0: yeah i mean that would be the hope right that all clinicians, you know, whether you're a doctor or you're a dietitian or even a health coach, anyone giving out health in, you know, sound health information and advice that this is just one of the tools in their toolbox that they're making sure to address with each person. Even again, if it's just the question, are you a nose breather or a mouth breather and go from there? And that that's really, you know, even my goal with having this episode is just to make people more aware and have, you know, cause we have a lot of, um, health professionals that listen to, and just have them think too, and add that into their, you know, repertoire with their clients and, and really use that tool because it can probably save a lot of people from being on medications or again, just feeling better. So I really appreciate James. And I, this, this has been so eye opening. I mean, I heard already known a good amount of it from your work, but I learned much more myself today. Um, so thank you so much. And we do like to wrap each episode up with a little rapid fire Q and a, so first things that come to mind, which I was sharing with you also that this first question, your book actually was the answer to our last guest, which was hilarious and the perfect lead in. What's the title
1: of her book, and then I will respond in kind. To yeah, that question, yeah. So okay? hers
0: is Sacred Cow, exactly. So what is what is your favorite de-stressing practice
1: or tool? Sacred Cow uh, <laughs> is, is, is what you need to go with, everybody. No, it's it's it sounds so cliched to to say breathing. It is. Yeah. I should say beer just to mix it up, but uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe that was the case when I was like twenty five. But but it's breathing. Who would have guessed?
0: Yeah. Uh, all right, coffee or tea? Tea. Tea. Any preference on tea?
1: Yes. Um I'm a total tea snob. I've become that way. Uh, I love a good matcha. Mm, I me love too. a a, a, a puer. Um I, I love all teas. I'm especially partial to black teas. I drink it all day long, and I don't know what I would do without it. That's what sucks yeah. with going going to Europe is a lot of places don't go to France. They don't do tea. They don't do tea. <laughs> Portugal does not do tea. Come on, you guys, Get, You can go to England. You're you're fine on the on the tea part there, but everyone else is coffee.
0: Are you like me, James? My husband and I will actually bring our own like we'll bring our own tea when we travel to make I sure we have it. I used to mock
1: those people. So so all of you um directors out there and especially you you camera people, they always brought their own coffee and I just thought it was so snobby with their own makers and they'd froth it up. <laughs> and now I'm one of those people yep. who brings and his own tea, and, so the tea better, ball, right? and the tea yeah. ball and the tea ball that's coming with I don't want Lipton. Sorry, Lipton or stash or or whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little, I've gotten a little picky in my old age. So yeah, you I you want, travel that, with
0: loose it. With I want that loose leaf with your tea ball? I want that loose
1: leaf. I do. I do. That's just how it is now.
0: Love it. Okay, my favorite question. What is your favorite home cooked meal?
1: I've been making Indian food, and oh. uh, I, I it was not an easy thing. So I think my my sag paneer with. Homemade paneer and homemade everything else uh, is pretty badass. Oh my gosh, James! Look at you go. Yeah, I don't cook anything else except that. So, (laughs) my wife cooks cooks the rest. Um, So, but but Indian food, I think, is the best when it's done right. It's the best food in the freaking world. So so, comforting. It's so comforting, so warming. So,
0: well, guys, if you start breathing through your nose, you're gonna have the energy to make all this homemade. (laughs) Oh, I mean, sag, you might be making ever. sag
1: paneer and carrying around your own tea in your carry on oh with you. How sad is that? Don't do it. <laughs> Breathe through your mouth and you're better off.
0: I love it. Well, where, James, can people find you, connect with you? Obviously, we've talked about your book, Breath, but you know, how can they connect with you more?
1: I have a website, Mr. James Nestor, mrjamesnester.com because some other... Jerko uh, took James Nestor, so that's why the MR is there. People thought it was some cutesy thing; it was out of necessity. Mister All the references for the book are there. B- free breathing videos, free interviews with professors from Harvard, and et cetera, et cetera. And I'm trying to get better at the social media thing. Uh, I'm very bad at it right now, but uh, I just hired someone. Shh. It's a little secret to to be that's doing great. that because I cannot stand it. Um, so I'm with my you by account mr james Nestor on instagram uh will be much more robust in the future if this person pans out so we'll see
0: oh i love it well thank you so much james this like i said this has been so enlightening for myself and i know for everyone listening and i'm just so happy uh we can spread the word and hopefully get people feeling better and some more energy as well
1: thanks a lot for having me it was a lot of fun
0: If you find you are a mouth breather, whether during the day or while you're sleeping, I want you to actively focus on breathing through your nose for one week using some of the tips in this episode. Just being aware can help start changing how you breathe. And if you're skeptical, try it and take note of the differences in how you feel and how you sleep. Thank you for listening to Naturally Well by Nordic Naturals. And remember you can watch every episode of the podcast on our Naturally Well YouTube channel. If you want to know more about me and looking for something to follow online, find me on Instagram at livewellwithkate. Naturally Well is hosted by myself, Kate Turner, and produced by Andrew Steven. If you have any questions, please send us an email at podcast at nordicnaturals.com, and we hope to answer your question on a future episode. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.